This is an emergency podcast. In these new emergency episodes, we will try to analyze current topics that are heavily debated on the web or in the news all around the world and which require an intensive legal discussion. In today's episode, I talked to Marie about Twitter deplatforming Donald Trump and which important role content moderation plays in today's society. Marie is the author of our upcoming blog post on the subject matter and has therefore done some extensive research on the topic for the last weeks. If you like the episode and want to learn more about this fascinating current topic, watch out for Marie's blog post next week and also have a look at the blog post Get the Facts About Freedom of Speech in Twitter on our website computationalsocialmedia.tech. Okay, so you've written a blog post on the topic of Twitter's powers and how Twitter is currently suspending political leaders or especially Donald Trump. But why would you say it is necessary to talk about this subject now? Um, well, first of all, I was uh, writing the subject um, more generally. It was not supposed to be just about President Trump, but it happened to be just about President Trump because of what happened last week. It was really the first time that something like this happened and it all started on the 6th of January. Uh, he got like, you know, like everyone knows, he got temporarily banned from the platform or like his, more specifically his Twitter account was blocked. And on the 8th of January, his uh, account was actually just, he was banned. Uh, so it was much more permanent. And so from there I had to change most of my blog post, most of the content because this never actually happened to a world leader. And actually the platform itself in 2018, Twitter said that, you know, blocking or locking a world leader's account would be controversial because it would go against their policy and also because it would block uh, people's access to information. As such, people like you and I or just everyone else would not be able to see their tweets and all of their content, whether or not they're controversial or whether or not you agree with them. So that was the big problem. And what Twitter did last week was basically set a precedent for world leaders that they can actually be locked or uh, permanently banned actually from the platform. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. So world leaders actually have basically a privilege on social media outlets like Twitter compared to normal users like you and me. Yes, uh, world leaders do have a Twitter privilege uh, that normal users do not have. And especially that Twitter privilege is that tweets would not be asked to be removed and their content usually might be investigated by the platform. And if they're said to be uh, or found to be controversial, uh, the platform might just put a notice that the tweet itself uh, or certain tweets are controversial and give a bit of background on why. Uh, once again, I think the best example is Trump. Uh, he said a couple of misleading tweets uh, regarding COVID uh, and also was, you know, talking about mailing fraud after the elections. And uh, while Twitter did not want to remove those tweets, it still wanted to warn the users about the possible misleading informations that it contained. So it gave the ability to users to uh, choose whether or not they wanted to see uh, the content of those tweets on the platform by basically putting sort of a gray uh, area on the tweets and giving a bit more context on why those tweets might be misleading or it might be controversial. So that's basically the privilege that they have where leaders is that their tweets, however controversial they are, they will remain usually on a platform because they are said to be in the public interest. That means if they bring out a discussion about uh, a topic or subject. And that's why I repeat myself, but however controversial usually those tweets might be, they still stay on the platform. Why would you say that Trump was ultimately banned now by Twitter? I mean, we know that he 
has put a lot of controversial stuff out there on Twitter in the last years. For example, during the protest in Kenosha, he tweeted when the looting starts, the shooting starts, whereas many people already argued, yeah, he should be suspended for this or um, that he incited to violence already during this time. But why was he only suspended now after the Capitol riots? Uh, that's a very good question. I do believe that it's a little too late for social media platform to actually ban him. Uh, I think it could have been done earlier or at least to sort of restrict uh, a couple of his tweets or to delete them. But it only happened last week. And I think that what happened at the Capitol last week in Washington, D.C. was just the last straw in a way it's like it was too much what he did um, uh, no matter what you might think about Trump whether you're pro Trump and against Trump his tweets were sort of inciting violence there's no there's no questions regarding that and I think that those tweets were really the last straw too much violence was incited to the riots in Washington in your personal opinion would you say that the decision to ban Trump was now more a political decision by social media outlets such as Twitter or Facebook? Or would you say, because, for example, we had Mark Zuckerberg, also the CEO of Twitter, arguing that Trump was suspended because they have their own community guidelines and he violated them. Would you say that this is really the reason that it's just a purely neutral content moderation decision? Or would you say that this was basically just the result of political discussions revolving around Trump and his incitement to violence that ultimately also led to his second impeachment this week? I do think it's, uh, it, might have, it might have been a 50-50, but I believe it's more of a political move because if they say it's because, yes, we have, uh, you know, Twitter rules or we have rules of integrity within our platforms, you know, I'm like, well, it happened last year and the year before, and it's been happening for about four years now that he's been use, using his platform for uh, saying very controversial things. And using that... Um, that excuse, that argument uh, for banning him last week, I think, you know, there's not just that. I think there's also a political move, and especially because right now, next Wednesday, there will be a new president. Uh, so I think they probably felt like they also might have social media platforms, I mean, might have a bit more power into acting against Trump, against his tweets, but I, I do not think so it was 100% in the interest of the platform, integrity, or because of its role. I do believe it was also because of a political move and political incentive. Okay, you already brought up the inauguration of President Biden next week, um, which would bring us to the question, do you know whether the privileges that political leaders like Donald Trump enjoy or enjoyed on Twitter persist even after they leave office or do they magically disappear the day that the new president is inaugurated? Uh, well, the notion of Twitter privileges, uh, while they've been, they've existed for years now, uh, only, come to, only came to light when President Trump you know, started tweeting a lot and because people started asking questions. And the answer of whether or not Trump is going to lose his power is Twitter privileges uh, on Wednesday. Well, it's yes, he's not a sitting world leader from Wednesday onwards. As such, you know, not taking into account that he was locked or permanently banned from Twitter. On Thursday, if he was to post something very controversial on Twitter, then Twitter would be free uh, to just ban his account or just to lock his account and ask him to remove the tweet. And if he doesn't, then Twitter could remove the tweet. Already in the run-up to the election, Twitter introduced some new policies regarding their content moderation, especially after President Trump started tweeting some misleading information on mail-in ballots, on election fraud. 
So Twitter introduced the civic integrity policy, they called it. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about this, what it entails or what's the general aim of the policy? Uh, well, to take actually really words of Twitter is that um, Twitter does not want its platform to be used in a malicious way as sort of manipulating or interfering with elections. And they believe that after the elections, Trump did use his Twitter account to post controversial tweets containing Uh, interfering tweets, or at least tweets, you know, that contain uh, mailing fraud, uh, misinformation. And that civic integrity policy is really around this to us to protect uh, users from misinformation. I think by now we can kind of understand why Twitter decided to ban Trump and uh, what their content moderation policies entail to some extent. So maybe we should have a small outlook on what is going to happen in the future regarding content moderation on social media outlets such as Twitter or what, in our opinion, should be done to govern these topics because it's not like that the debate around Twitter suspending an account will disappear now that Trump is gone. At the moment, many Republicans in the US are actually arguing that banning President Trump or also some other minor political figures from the Republican Party is actually an attack on the freedom of speech. Would you go as far and say that Twitter deciding basically just to, to silence the minority of political people constitutes an attack on the freedom of speech? Or would you say that it's rather a reasonable step to prevent a civil war or similar events? I do have to say I'm taking a very neutral position regarding that question, because on one side, um, there are people that would say that, you know, reprimanding Trump for what he did is totally normal and that it's not restricting his freedom of speech. Uh, and on the other side, we would be saying that, you know, restricting where we're a leader or just an individual from speaking on social media platforms is restricting his freedom of speech. And it's, uh, you know, enraging, should never have been done and everything. I take a very neutral position uh, regarding this because it's extremely controversial on one hand. And also because I will understand both uh, end of the spectrum as well. But in a way, I also do think that um, social media platforms have a responsibility to moderate content on their platform. And that when they think or when they believe uh, certain content or certain tweets from an individual might incite violence, like it somewhat did last week, then they should restrict the access of that person's account. They should restrict, you know, Uh, the visibility of that Twitter's account on um, their platform. And you also have to think that his Twitter account was followed by millions of people. Millions of individuals could see his tweets every day. So I think that's because he had such an outreach, uh, a global outreach on everyone that they had to moderate his account. That's a valid point. And in the last year, we have seen that Twitter kind of evolved when it comes to warning, suspending banning political leaders, also Trump. I mean, we have seen that already in, in April when Trump started tweeting about mail-in ballots or election fraud that Twitter started with really minor warnings regarding get the facts about election integrity or get the facts about mail-in ballots. And then they kind of increased their security efforts. And so we saw in November that Trump got suspended for 12 or 24 hours for the first time. And now we've seen that Trump got ultimately banned. In your opinion, if we have a similar situation, not especially Trump, what would be the best approach for Twitter to handle these 
things, which is say that a warning would suffice, which is say that a tweet should be deleted, or which is say that Twitter should include advice on how to get the real facts when it comes to fake news, for example, or which is say that really the best approach is the one that was actually taken last week and saying, if an account repeatedly violates against community guidelines and cites violence, he should be basically banned. Um, I, I do think that if it needs to first start with uh, a warning to an individual if they share content that is misleading and that is not proven uh, with you know, fact-based. Again, this, sorry for always using Trump, but he uh, shared very misleading information uh, about COVID and actually uh, Twitter was quite engaged, I do have to say last year regarding this and still this year, when someone was posting something misleading about COVID, um, they would warn basically uh, that tweet, put a warning on it, but they also actually uh, ask Trump to actually remove that tweet. President Trump did remove that tweet. And uh, yeah, uh, I do think that warning is better. I do not think that Twitter should directly ban someone because I do think then that would be uh, limiting at least their freedom of expression, freedom of speech. Uh, especially without any notice. However, uh, Twitter and any other platform have to sort of take a grain of salt regarding all those this content. They really have to assess whether or not the content ha is misleading. But I do think that if Twitter or any other platform see that uh, a sp specific account shares misleading information every day or um, you know repeatedly, then yes, at some point, maybe in the future, they should be temporarily blocked or at some point permanently banned like it happened last week. But uh, it should be gradually. It should not happen in one day. Thank you for giving us the insights into the current topic after you've done the research now quite heavily over the last weeks. And I think it's really helpful to understand what is going on at the moment because so many people, so many lawyers also in different jurisdictions are now discussing how content moderation should work or if the steps are unproportionate. So I think this is really helpful. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for listening to this emergency episode. Make sure to keep an eye out for Marie's blog post next week. And as always, follow us on Instagram at Law Influencer and check our blog at computationalsocialmedia.tech.